not happen for an age. What's that? It is a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 65 of the podcast and I come to you now at the eve of the new year and uh, I think this is about a month later than I initially said that uh, I was going to do a podcast so I'm going to only apologise for that um, because things just got in the way and I'm sorry about that but um, hey we've got some good stuff uh, coming up in this podcast we've got the GBHL finale Uh, so this happened early December so uh, a couple of weeks ago now and uh, it was an absolute cracker of a tournament. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I have got a tournament in the bag um, for a podcast which will come out in the next couple of weeks. Um, a timeless tournament, I'd like to think. It was a one-day in Melton Mowbray, uh, which was hosted by Carl Daly and uh, Nathan Tolbert. And it was a cracker of a tournament too, because I, I keep saying cracker because it's Christmas time and, and they're in my head, clearly. Um, but yeah, so I basically got uh, that one ready to go at some point, um, but I just, just haven't got around to it. So I'm going to do this one first. Um, because the GBHL finale is is a big one. It's kind of it's sort of nice way to round off the year, and then we'll we'll revisit uh, at the end of November uh, at some point soon. Um, once once we get back into the rhythm of things, so uh, that's all coming up on the podcast. But uh, the GBHL finale, big one, interesting. Uh, you know, it'll settle the league. We'll have talk about the uh, the end of the league and all that sort of stuff um, for the Great British Hobbit League. And we'll take my Numenorians on another ride out. Uh, you may remember in the previous podcast, I did. I did do quite good with them, actually. Not amazingly, but I didn't do badly with them, which I was quite happy with. Um, I I ended up getting uh, maybe too big for my britches, perhaps. Uh, but on a four-day to a four sorry four game tournament, I, I did quite well with them. So how will I fare? at the Great British Hobbit League finale in Bristol. We'll find out, but first, we need to build an army. build worthy of So, Numenor, it's 750 points. And I did say before about um, the the chances of maybe doing a Last Alliance army. I'm not there yet. Uh, I want to just see how pure Numenor works because I like I just like the idea of having lots of strength for dudes. I want to lean into the big heroes. Uh, I want to see how that goes before I introduce some elves into the mix, which I will do at some point. But it'll be nice to just see what I can do. So I, I want I wanted to do for the finale. I want to do something, you know, the 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 kind of standard. I, I don't know. It's probably not standard actually, but I'll, I'll explain a bit more in a minute. Uh, but I wanted to kind of do something relatively straightforward uh, as an army list. So that's what I've done. So 750 points to spend. Let's crack on and spend it. Uh, let's start by spending 200 points on the big boy. It's Elendil himself with the sword, with the shield, with the horse. Uh, all all good stuff. Uh, later on in the podcast, we will hear a little bit of confusion about Elendil's shield. Um, Essentially, someone tells me uh, that, that, that essentially you, you can't keep 
keep the two-handed bonus if you have the shield as well, which isn't true. Uh, you just lose the defence bonus. Um, but I think I, I basically played a game without having uh, an Onil going two-handed, which is fine. But um, we'll, I'll try and trim that away so it might actually not appear at all and confuse you. Uh, instead, I've just confused you now, so that's fantastic. Uh, anyway, so Elendil has his pointy store to doom. He's got his free heroic combats. He's got um, strength five. He's got everything. He's defence eight, uh, unless he's going two-handed in combat, in which case he's defence seven, which is still pretty good. Um, uh, he's also just really good at... at might and he's got the free heroic combo which is a good threat and he's got strike in the right places he's got the three attacks he's got he's got everything he's good he's good we like him only one fate though that's the downside but that's not too bad um so fight seven that's the big one uh okay so let's carry on we've got in his warband uh which he can have 18 he's here a legend he's got a numenorian with spear and shield times seven so there's seven of them uh numenorian with shield times four uh, a Numenorian with banner, spear, and shield times one, because you only need one, really, don't you? Uh, and three Numenorian bowmen. So he's got a pretty full warband. That's 15 or there. Uh, yeah, so 15 exactly plus him. Uh, so you've got lots of spears and shields in there. Um, I did mention in the last podcast that I'm going to put some spears on bowmen and um, experiment with them at some point. Uh, I haven't yet done that in a tournament. I've got some painted now, um, or certainly half painted uh, you know they've got some gray on them uh, but i'll get i'll get them out and see what they uh, see how they perform at some point because i think that's probably a good way of using numenorian or any good bowman actually i mean good bowman with spears seems to be a good idea but i didn't want to just glue random stuff on the ones that i've painted nicely so i've kind of converted a few in and done some special stuff with them so anyway uh so 15 dudes in that warband good stuff we've got three bows not loads but it's it's some that can be some use i hope then, uh, warband number two, we have a captain mounted with armour, shield and lance. So he's got all the defence stuff. Uh, he's got a lance. He's got the horse for the charge and everything. He's good. He's 75 points. He's solid. Fight five with a lance at strength four is good. We like strength four lances. Um, alongside him, we've got uh, Numenorian warrior with spear and shield times six. Uh, we've got bowman times two and a shieldman times two. So a smaller warband there. It's just ten models. Um but mostly spear and shields, which is good. A couple of extra bowmen as well. So getting up to five bows. Very exciting. And the final warband is going to be Isildur mounted with a shield. Uh, you can do him without the horse um, if you've got the ring. Because you, if you put the ring on, um, then basically he just automatically throws himself off the horse. Because horses don't like carrying invisible evil things. So um, that makes sense. Uh, but he's not allowed the ring because Elendil is still alive. So therefore... I don't have the ring. We've got the shield. We've got the horse. He's still good. He's fight six, strength five. You know, he's got strike and all that stuff. Two, fight, uh, two will and two fate, I believe. So, you know, pretty good. That's, that's, that's solid. That is a solid stuff. For 135 points, a strength five, fight six, hero with strike, three points of might and two fate. It's pretty good. And you get the inbuilt resistant to magic as well, which is nice because uh, essentially he has a rule or most, I think almost all the Numenoreans have a rule that says they gain resistance to magic if they're within six inches of Isildur or Elendil. So he's within six inches of Isildur. So he therefore gets free resistant magic. Of course, Elendil has the uh, the other one, the Fortify Spirit cast on him. So he gets two free dice if you're trying to cast magic on him, which nobody ever really does because it's not going to happen. Anyway, uh, Isildur. So we've got uh, with him... It's a small warband. Uh, I was running low on points here. So we've got two warriors with shield, four warriors with spear and shield, and two warriors with bow. So uh, that's just eight models in his warband. So none of these warbands are full. 
Which makes me think, I often find if you don't fill your warband, you're probably not doing it right. Because uh, essentially, I'm, I, I, I think this, this army probably works at sort of 800, maybe, maybe even more, 850, something like that. Because I've got three slots spare in um, Elendil's warband. I've got uh, seven slots spare in Isildur's warband, so that's 10 slots spare, uh, plus... Um, what was it to two slots so yeah so I've got like 12 or thereabouts uh, war, uh, spots empty so that's that's a whole captain's worth empty so you want to really just be I don't know what's that 12 so that's 120 points yeah so maybe even 900 points for this combination of stuff uh, with loads of um, uh, Numenorians. but I don't have that so I've got some half filled warbands and they're all pretty good still yes they've got defence 5 which sucks um, but I've got 36 dudes I've got a Captain, which is good. I've got an Asildor, which is good. And I've got an Elendil, which is very good. Uh, I've got seven bows, eight points of might, 36 models, which are all strength four, fight four, at 750 points. Am I best pleased with it? I don't know. I mean, I think so. On paper, Elendil and Asildor absolutely smash, right? Like, Asildor, fight six, three points of might with strike, strength five. I mean, he's good, isn't he? That's really good. Defense seven. Where's his defense eight? I can't remember. He's defense seven or eight with a shield. That's that's insane. Yes, he doesn't have the ring, but a character with three points of might, strike, resistance to magic, strength five, fight six in combat. This seems this seems very good on paper for 135 points. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to see how this army fares. Uh, do I have any big plans? Probably not. Um, but I, I think. Who am I going to dislike playing against? Probably your strength four dwarves or something like that. Anything that's fight four um, that can kill me really easily and I can't kill them very easily, it's it's going to be tricky if I'm fighting lots of def defense eight stuff. Even strength three stuff that's fight four, it's, it's annoying because if you're, say, defense six... And I, so I'm trying to think of an example. There probably isn't one actually now I think about it. But anyway, uh, let's say that there's a fight for strength three example. They're wounding me on fives because I'm defense five. My, and say they're defense six. I, I'm wounding them on defense six, uh, on fives as well because I'm strength four. So it's kind of a net equal. It just means that every, you just got to really play well because everyone dies a lot quicker if you've got defense five troops and you've got strength four models so um against elves i i, I quite I, yeah quite i don't mind against elves actually although the el elven bows are annoying the the strength four really is quite good um and the you know but i don't know maybe actually that's a bad comment that's a bad one isn't it oh no we don't want that strength five a fight five against my fight four so they win that the strength four against their defense six i'm winning on fives but then the thing that elves really struggle on usually is the the strength three against defense five is fives. So actually, no, I never want... You know what? I feel like I say this all the time. I don't want to fight any elves. I never do. I don't want to put up with it. I hate them. They've got big bows and I just, yeah, I, I just resist them. Why, don't, why doesn't everyone just play elves? Because if you want to be competitive, surely that's the answer. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm losing my train of thought here. So um, I think it's still pretty good. Elendil's good. He's scary to anyone. Um, the free heroic combat is just insane. Um, it's not often that you, you don't mind spending points of might for heroic moves from your big hero because he's fight seven, so he very rarely has to strike um, first. And he's got heroic combat, so 
he just sort of threatens, he goes, hurry, combat, and then everyone's like, oh, I'm going to strike then. And you're like, ha, I wasn't going to do it anyway, I was going to smash into the back of your spears and stuff. Uh, and then it's all great and everyone loves you and um, uh, you, Elendil chops away and we all have good fun. So that's the hope for this weekend. Choppage. Lots of choppage. So um, we're heading off to Bristol um, and uh, it's the finale. So uh, at this point, we do know who the winner of the Great British Hobbit League is. But we don't know who's going to win the tournament to finish things off. Will it be the winner of the Hobbit League or will it be someone else? How exciting will it be? Will there be controversy? Yes, there will. Uh, It's all very exciting. Uh, We will find out a little bit about said controversy and have an exclusive interview with person who uh, was responsible for said controversy at the end of the podcast. It's all very interesting. Uh, It's going to be a batty, batty episode. Right, let's move on. But first... Riddles in the Dark... Yes, that's right. It's Riddles in the Dark Time. This is the time of the podcast where I play a clip from the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit movies. And it's a very small clip. And you have to just tell me who speaks next and what they say. It's been a month. This is the clip I played in the last episode. Interesting. Who speaks next? What do they say? Now, I also delve into the email inbag. Uh, Inbag? Inbox or bin bag or bag. Delve into the bag. Mail bag. Something like that. Anyway, I'll delve into some sort of contraption and read your emails and or letters. Uh, feel free to send letters in the post, um, but just write me on the address label because I don't want to give you the actual address because I don't want to get spam. Thank you. Actually, maybe I do. I don't know. Anyway, here we go. Let's just have a, a look into the email inbox today. Uh, this one's from Philip Arnold. Long time listener, he says. First time emailer. You could be like that too. Why don't you just do it? Email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com. You could be just like Philip, who's a long-time listener and a first-time emailer, because I know you're out there. You've been listening for a long time. I know. There's hundreds of you. And you never email. You should. Say hello. Say hi. My name's Philip Arnold. I'm a long-time listener and a first-time emailer. And then say something like this. I found this one quite difficult, he says. This is about the uh, Riddle in the Dark. Maybe it's from The Hobbit, which I'm not as familiar with. Initially, I thought it was a horn playing before a battle with marching warriors. However, after looking at some clips, it sounds to me like the Urukai commander howling. Question mark. Is it howling? Yeah, I guess it is. Before the Battle of Helm's Deep. And the marching is the Urukai. Is this the case? Then the next person to speak is Aragorn shouting, Tengado! Hold in English. After Aldor fires the first arrow into the Uruk High, I'm thinking I must be wrong as I haven't spotted the relevance to the episode. Yes, there's always a bit of a clue. Not not every time, but there's usually a bit of a clue. Um, when you were talking about your Numenorian list, it occurred to me that you probably could have used the extra 14 points to get a second banner into the list by removing one of the warriors. Thank you for the great content. Philip from Down, Down, Down Under in New Zealand. Oh, from New Zealand. Very jealous. You can just pop out the back door and see Middle-earth. Um, Philip, yeah, first let's re- address your Numenorean list point. Um, I, you know what? I, I didn't consider it. I, I didn't even think about it. Uh, if I had thought about it, it probably would have been a decent idea. Losing one warrior and gaining a second banner. But maybe at those low points, do you need a second banner? Because I think uh, it was around, what was it? It was around 570 points. It was a weird a weird um, uh, points value tournament. Um, so if it, say if say it was five hundred and fifty points because it was roughly there maybe a little bit more um, at that points level I had probably twenty something models 
So if you lose two models, essentially, because one of them's then becoming a banner, so he can't fight as easily, um, then you're you're sacrificing 10% of your army for a second banner. And do you need the second banner? Maybe. Maybe sometimes you will. Maybe sometimes you don't. But it was definitely probably a better idea than just being 14 points under. Um, but I think I addressed this point in the episode. I probably would have been better off just giving everyone spears instead of, um, instead of you know, doing that but either way it's an interesting idea it probably probably would have made sense um if i had thought of it so thank you very much uh, as regards your uh, riddle in the dark answer we'll find out if you're correct in a second you say is it aragorn shouting tengado we'll find out in a second right uh let's find out uh, let's see who we got we got sam gallagher he's also emailed in he says massive fan of the podcast huh so much, you inspired my brother and I to start our own Middle Earth SBG podcast. And in brackets, it has the name of the podcast. Uh, and I'm I'm going to sort of delete that because I don't want to promote other people's content on my podcast. I just can't. No, I'm just kidding. Gondor calls for ale. I hope it's a, a Middle Earth ale themed podcast. Gondor calls for ale. Very good. Uh, I'll have to check that out, Sam. Thanks very much for letting us know about it. I love, uh, I love the idea that there are lots of uh, SBG podcasts out there. There's, there's never enough for me. Uh, uh, he says, I'm excited. I finally got around to writing in with an answer for Riddles in the Dark, though. Okay, good. When I first heard the clip, I was immediately sure I knew the answer. But then, after a few more listens, began to doubt myself. Hmm. But you know what they say. Stick to your gut. That's right. I believe this is the scene when the mighty Oliphants show up to save the noble orcs from the unprovoked charge of the Rohirrim. Mm. Uh, if I'm correct, then, Theoden says, Reform the line! Reform the line! Mm. Unless we count Haradrim chanting, I don't know what they actually say, but it's an interesting, interesting thing. Let's find out if the answer's right in a second. But we'll continue delving into the email inbox for one unrelated to the Riddle in the Dark. But I just thought this was brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I honestly can't can't believe this. Um, this is Simon Rafferty. He's a, a Entmoot patron. Uh, patrons are people who basically chip in a bit of coinage every month because they like the podcast and want to support the content I do. Uh, and they also there's like widgets and dice and things like that, that you can get. And and also occasionally people win prizes, which is all very exciting. So um, with that in mind, Simon Rafferty is a supporter of the podcast. And he says, I may have binged a little according to Spotify. Now, if you're a Spotify listener, I'm not actually. I, I do uh, Apple Music so that I can listen to um, Beats One. Um, but Spotify, you pay your money and all that, and then it does this thing at the end of the year: Spotify Unwrapped or Wrapped or so, something like that, and um, it tells you how many minutes of which artist you listen to, which top, what was your top ten so songs, and all these sorts of things. Uh, apparently, it does it for podcasts as well. I didn't know this, um, and it says. Uh, here he showed me sent me a screenshot which says, "I ha you have other so, so Spotify told him you spent five thousand seven hundred ninety six minutes with your top podcast Entmoot, a Middle Earth SBG podcast. Now that is insane. So this year Simon has spent five thousand seven hundred ninety six minutes with Entmoot. So he's listened to." 5,796 minutes worth of me, of me interviewing people, me talking about toy soldiers. This is madness. Absolute madness. So that's, isn't that like 100 hours? 60 minutes times 100? 
is about 6,000, isn't it? So, I mean, what are you doing with your life, Simon? This is, this is clearly, this is a call for help, surely. No, it isn't. I, I just really appreciate this. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And I see your other, uh, your other podcasts on the, uh, on the top five that you shared are, include the Two Towers podcast and the Green Dragon as well. And um, maybe it's just that uh, I've, I, I've been more prolific than them, or uh, I think from what you said, you've just caught up with everything. So maybe that's the answer. Um, into a happy life is catching up on nearly 6,000 uh, minutes worth of uh, of podcasts. Wait, 6,000 minutes? Yeah, 60 minutes. I don't know. It's it's lots of hours. It's lots of hours. Either way, uh, Simon Rafferty, thank you so much for getting in touch and for your continued support uh, and apologies in advance um, for the sort of nightmares that you must have uh, over, the, over the new year as you... Uh, have withdrawal symptoms from all of those uh, podcasts and the lack of podcasts released in the last month. So, uh, but thank you very much for uh, letting me know about it. If you have interesting factoids uh, or I don't know uh, gags or whatever about um, Entmoot or, or anything that you, you think in the SBG world, do get in touch. Uh, Entmootpodcast at gmail dot com is the email. Now we said uh, Sam and who else was it? It was Sam and. Was it not Andrew? Who was it? Philip and uh, Philip and Sam got in touch about the uh, the riddle in the dark. Here's the answer. This way, There you go. It was, of course, Gandalf the Grey corralling Thorin's company to Bayorn's house. Uh, so th- that you can hear the sort of squawking and the kind of and all that sort of stuff at the start. That is the the Wargs uh, and um, Azog and so on all chasing the uh, Thorin's company down, and they arrive there. And the reason I chose this clip uh, for last episode was, of course, because it's called the Great North Run, where in the films do you see someone running in the north? Well, the fellowship, uh, not the fellowship, the Thorin's company uh, running away from Beor, running towards Beorn. That was the vague link. So there you go. This one, uh, which will be answered probably probably not in the next episode because I'm going to try and get that one squeezed out as soon as possible. But in the episode after that, you should have plenty of time on it. So uh, this is a clip from The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings movies. You have to tell me who speaks next and what do they say. And of course, as ever it's going to be linked in slightly with the theme uh, or something to do with the episode uh, that we're in at the moment. So, so have a listen to this clip and tell me who speaks next and what they say. Yes. Mm-mm. Who speaks next? What do they say? Entmootpodcast at gmail.com is the email address to get in touch with. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Have another listen. Yes. Who is it then? Who is it? Tell me, tell me, tell me now. Get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next in this clip from The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit movies. Now, I will have the clip as ever right at the end of the podcast so you don't have to find it uh, when you're rewinding and fast-forwarding and all that sort of stuff. So there's no excuse. Get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next. Now, with all that done... 
it's time to head off. We've got the army sorted. We know we're taking new Minorans. We've got uh, Elendil, we've got uh, Isildur, we've got a captain and about 30-something uh, dudes all on their way to the GBHL finale. So we should be able to crown a winner of the Great British Hobbit League over the course, which, by the way, is the biggest uh, SBG league in the world. 750 or thereabouts um, players in the league this year, which is insane. So uh, awesome stuff we'll be able to crown the winner of said league uh, by the end of the podcast. So, without much further ado, let's head to the tabletops. Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? Don't stop, I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. So we start the GBHL finale uh, on game two because game number one I was playing against Ed Ball uh, who of course is a Games Workshop employee so he's not allowed to talk to me sadly uh, and he also gave me a right good fisting with three fell beasts, a ring wraith, a, uh, a spider queen and a bat in Contest of Champions. So that was, that was fun so I got sent straight down uh, to the sort of bottom table to play against Luke. Uh, Luke, first of all uh, we're playing, uh, I forgot it was Destroy the Supplies wasn't it? Destroy the Supplies. Uh, destroy yeah. the supplies. Uh, tell me what's in your 750 point army so uh, I'm taking the Assault on the Florian Legion, uh, Legion so my heroes are Druzag Musgur uh, I've got Ashrak and a Goblin Captain with Bow mm-hmm. uh, I've then got uh, 18 uh, Goblin Warriors with Bow and Spear mm. and then got a front line of Goblins with Shield I think there's about 14 uh, I've got five Prowlers there's two Bat Swarms in the army four Spiders a uh, handful of orcs and a warg marauder as well. Yeah, it's, it's quite fearsome. So this is that legion that, that's got all the bonuses for shooting um, and, and also all, lots, of, lots of tricks. And it, it is a really tough army. And I've played against it a few times with my Eastilling horde, which I found actually, I, I actually quite did a decent job with the, the Eastling horde because they could crack through relatively easily. But um, what did you think here? I mean, uh, first, obviously, it's an objective-based game. You've got a lot of fast-moving things. Um, I don't have quite as many fast-moving things. What, what was your plan? And, you know, did you fancy your chances, if you had a plan? That is, I could see you yeah. laughing straight away at that um, response. I rarely go into games with plans, to be honest. Um, so, looking at it, obviously, I outnumber you. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, but you, you've got 60 or so? 61 models. Yeah, so I've only got 36. Yeah, so pretty much doubling you. So I thought getting two uh, objectives or holding objectives was going to be okay it was just the threat you've got with your heroes mm. um and they did smash through uh using all their might admittedly to to get to an objective uh, to help you um but yeah my plan was to try and focus them in one area didn't sort of lull you into the trap but you did end up going for one rather than two objectives um and with the threat of the spiders the bat swarms a lot of the shooting as well it was a little bit cagey towards the start mm. I managed to shoot, obviously, Elendil and uh, Isildur's horses early on, which limits your power massively. Um, but yeah, my plan was to send... Um, I sent uh, one warband off, the Orc warband, to one side, where you were a little bit thinner. I then sent my marauders and uh, a couple of spiders down the other side, um, just because they were quick moving. Yeah. They could get there and be a threat. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the threat because you, you can just sort of hang back uh, about ten inches or twelve inches away from an objective and just 
wait for the moment that you lose priority uh, and I have to move first and then you can just tag an objective without having to charge anything. And, and I can, you, the, the opportunity didn't arise very often, but when you did get it, you seized it. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah, just hanging back, waiting for the moment, having enough models to tag the, uh, your guys that were holding there. And I sent a spider in on both times just to destroy two supplies, um, which put me in a good position. And then it was only really sort of towards the end of the game where it was getting a bit cagey. Yeah. We, well, there, there was there was a, there was a period where it, it really could have gone either way in this game. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was just sort of, I think it was the last two turns pretty much where you had broken through, but you were really diminished. Mm. So I was able to mop up on fights, and with obviously a plus one to wound, I was killing things quite easily. Um, and of course, your strength three against my defense five as well, which, yeah. which is it's a, it's a weakness yeah, of the Numenor. It's, it's a it's a touchy point for Numenor players mm. being in defense five, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah it was it was cagey, like I said, to the end. But then I managed to get the bat swarm into the banner. Uh, yes, because there's points for banner in this mission. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I protected mine as long as I could. Um, didn't really get involved until the last fight, to be no, honest. No, I think it was it was hanging back a long way, which actually uh, played in your favour. Yes, uh, yes, you didn't have the advantage of the banner, but it meant that it was out of the fight, it was safe for the whole game. You, you mentioned the shooting um, uh, early on. I mean, I should say, actually, that the terrain on this this um, table was, was pretty instrumental. It's got these huge stone pillars everywhere. I, I, I think they look a bit like the kind of uh, Dwimolt kind of vibe. So they, they look, they've got these big big rock, rocky pillars that blocking line of sight um, but, you're, uh, but they also have these gaps in between so you can see through them um, so it's quite handy for bats and things to jump through and, yeah. and, but the, the thing was they had a huge one which was directly between your middle and your right uh, objectives yes. and I made the mistake of going to uh, basically down one the very far left side as I was looking at it your right hand side uh, and, and it kind of got funneled in and as soon as I got funneled in, I realised the mistake I'd made, but there wasn't really much way of getting around that objective because you'd sort of, by that point, you were tagging me down. So I was, rather than going the opposite direction, I could have headed straight towards the two objectives. I was heading towards one, which was felt like a bit of a mistake. But the, the reason I mentioned the terrain, it kind of helps in a sense that the shoot, the um, the shooting was diminished, Absolutely. but um, the shooting was still drawing me forward anyway because you just had so many shots yeah. uh, and the plus ones, especially on uh, Numenor, it's it's pretty tough. You were killing me on fours on a normal I was bow. Me on fours with normal bows. I managed to get to the horses pretty quickly, um, but like I said, they are massive. So I think I, yeah, I got 19 bow shots, but they weren't able to get any clear lines. There was no, it was always in the ways to mm. get to anything. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't that much. I did with the shooting, other than get the heroes off the horses, which is still big. Yeah. Um, I think it was just like one or two other Numenorians. It was one it? or two, yeah. Um, but you're right, though. The, the, the thing is, you've massively, uh, massively diminished my killing power with the with Elendil and, and, and Isildur because those guys on horses will just churn through stuff. And I found that on the first, I think it was the very first combat. Uh, Elendil charged in with his three dice, and he he won the fight, but he didn't kill anything. Yeah. He rolled one, triple one, or I think it was a triple one, yes. which was. Uh, and you think, well, actually, if I'd have if I'd have been on the horse, that wouldn't have been a problem. I'd have had eight dice, and it would have been fine. But uh, the same sort of thing again. A, a, a couple of turns later, he was fighting up against a bat swarm um, where essentially I, ne I needed, to, needed to win this so that I could get my heroic move off to crack through the line to then eventually reach your leader uh, and claim an objective. And, 
and he just he, his, his killing power is there but he was just a little blunted so it just took maybe one more turn than I would have hoped to get through there because if, if I'd had a couple more turns I might have been able to get round this big thing eventually but it was just it was just bogged down and the defence five on uh, on Moria Goblins feels feels good for, yeah. for the cost of the, the guys because my new Minorans are still winning them on fives with their strength fours. Absolutely, yeah. That was the sort of toss-up whether to go heavy on the Prowlers or Shields. Um, but I decided, A, because I don't have that many Prowlers on me at the minute, um, but B, just because of that defence five and the ability to shield, mm. um, which, again, it helped me in this matchup. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really interesting tactical game to begin with. Yeah. There was... Both of us were deciding when to, to actually get into combat. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, it, you just funneled yourself in, yeah. which probably was a mistake looking back. But at the time, you had all your heroes going through. Yeah. Um, so. it, it, lo it looked like they would probably churn through quicker than they did. But, and, and I think that partly because of all the tricks that you've got in your army to sort of slow them down, like even Rage Beasts and all those sorts of things. So they took, I had to sort of put a lot more effort into killing those things to make sure that I wasn't going to get caught out by a bat and a, uh, and a Rage Spider or something like that on Elendil, which would have been uh, pretty nasty. But um, I suppose I did, it did funnel me through into that one objective, but it did mean that I could get straight to the, the leader and kill him in one go. Yeah. I mean, Elendil just decapitated Ashrak, or was it? Uh, uh, Druzag. Druzag was the leader, yeah. Uh, just straight into him, chopped his head off, and then foolishly went straight into uh, Ashrak the following turn, um, which I'd forgotten has a special rule. Yeah, so the... Uh, managed to actually demolish him, but yeah, the spider blood, uh, poison blood, spider blood rule, um, four up, you got paralysed. Yeah, so <laughs> Elendil just sort of left the game, at the end of the game, Elendil is is lying prone with a goblin sort of trying to stamp on him repeatedly <laughs> and failing. Um, but uh, having said that, I did break in the end, uh, I think uh, the, the penultimate turn I broke, and then quickly after that, once I'd stopped shielding, essentially all of my, my guys dissipated. But I think I did a really good job of protecting the back two objectives for, uh, for so long. I lost two of them eventually, but the third one's safe. Um, I just, I, I always find these sorts of um, games really difficult to work out. Do I commit to just going, I'll, I'll leave no one on the back objectives and let you have them and hope that that sort of means that I can uh, uh, push enough forward. But I think I left, what was it, about eight or something like that on one side and then about six on the other. So I, I guess that means that my numbers are very diminished to crack through the lines, which just, it's always a, t a tricky one and this sort of thing. And you, you, having the number advantage just makes it a lot easier for you to make that decision and go, well, I'll, I'll push forward with 10 of my guys and I've still got 50 left. Yeah, definitely. Especially with my, my quick moving stuff, it was they went up straight away just to, to pose that threat, mm. so you had to hold some yeah. back. Um, yeah, but for, yeah, the sake of, for the, just the for two spiders, three spiders, whatever it is, that they, they, they can do those objectives so quickly, so I knew I had to have quite a lot of guys. But what do you think are, in those sorts of situations people should do? If you, if you know you've got a numbers disadvantage, should you just go, well... I'm probably going to lose them. I'm going to, if I push forward with everything, then maybe I've, I've got a better chance of doing it, do you think? Uh, I think you did the right thing. Obviously, your heroes, come off horses, didn't help, but you were there churning through. Um, it was really unfortunate that the, my left flank that you were protecting, your guys just fell as soon as that mm -hmm. combat hit. I think it was five, you had eight guys there, five of them died. Yeah. I had Musgo there with his warband of orcs, so yeah, that I, really opened things up for it, me. Yeah. It really did. That first, I think we had one uh, turn of fighting where I think you had the advantage on one sort of half of your flank. It was maybe 10, of, ten orcs against eight Numenorians, but I trapped the other the other end and done some quite, I, I was quite proud of the movements there that, that get the right traps in the right place and the strength four and the fight four on one-on-ones a lot against the spears in particular. And then all of the Numenorians 
Nurins that uh, were in the one-on-one -on -one fights lost and died. So, uh, and then after that, it was like, okay, well, that's that's that flank collapsed, and it's just a matter of uh, time after that before I lost the objective. So, uh, either way, um, uh, Luke, the game ended eight-four to you. Um, as, as we said, it, uh, halfway through the game, it might have might have not swung if I'd have held on for longer, and um, maybe if we'd have ended a turn or two earlier, because um, we realised that there was an extra fifteen minutes yeah. <laughs> in the game. We thought it was just two hours at first. Uh, anyway, uh, eight-four victory to you. You got the uh, two objectives. You broke me, and you had your banner remaining. Uh, I killed your leader and took an objective. Sadly, lost my banner in the penultimate turn uh, uh, to a, a bat that got angry and flapped uh, <laughs> at him at one point. So, uh, Luke, congratulations. Uh, best luck in the rest of the tournament. No, thank you very much. Cheers for that. Cheers. So, game number three, Fog of War, uh, playing against Louis Fitzsimmons. Um, oh, sorry, someone's trying to sh shove past me already. It's fine. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll hear about that in the podcast. Uh, okay, so um, we've got Louis. And Louis, first of all, it's 750 points. Uh, let's just have a rundown of what your army is uh, for 750 points. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. Uh, so I'm playing Frangel's Halls. Um, I've got uh, three heroes. I've got uh, the, the trifactor of Legolas, uh, uh, Frangel himself, and um, Tariel. Um, three separate warbands. Uh, Legolas is a warband just with two uh, Cav uh, Mirkwood Elves. Um, and I've got six rangers across the force, and I've got two in each warband. So that one's got two, war two in that warband. Uh, second warband is uh, Frangel, and that's the main warband. So that's the Palace Guard warband. So I've got, uh, I can't remember, I think it's uh, six. Uh, Seven um, uh, palace guards, a mix of spears and, and uh, swords, um, and then I've got a banner there and a sentinel. Um, and then the last one is Tarrell herself, uh, and uh, she's in a band very similar with just regular Mercury Elves. They've got a mix of glaives, and pretty much all of them have got bows. So the idea is uh, I've got quite a few bows in the list to try and whittle you down, and then charge in with two big blobs uh, of warbands that are trying to win the combat. And two banners as well, which is quite good for uh, elves. And uh, about, what was it, 20 something models? 28? 28 models, yeah. 28 models, and uh, Thrangel not got the, um, the elk or the horse, just on the floor with the, the sword, the armor, all the, the stuff you expect, which is, which is a, a pretty good choice. I must say. So um, on this board, we're fog, fog of War, uh, it's all about terrain. There's, there's a very sort of grid-like structure of, of ruins, the um, sort of old 40k ruins with all the bullet holes uh, and lots of wintry stuff. It looks great. Um, so this is one we're trying to protect a hero, kill a hero and capture some terrain piece. We'll just keep those bits secret for the moment. So, but what was your, what was your plan here, uh, other than obviously trying to do those things that we're just talking about? <laughs> Did you have an idea of how you're going to conquer the Numenor? Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to uh, run my palace guard um, real like beat stick bubble forwards, the little Death Star, um, with the second bubble um, around uh, Tariel with all the bows coming up behind. So the idea is they, they get out in front, they make the charge first, hopefully uh, or a dismay of the terror um, reduces uh, the, the impact from the charge back. Um, and they just get in there and bully and Frandrel starts doing this stuff and they basically try and force the fight. Uh, once that fight, is, fight has been forced, then that allows the second warband to kind of move around on the flank, uh, pick up some of the uh, spears with the shots from the side uh, which worked really well um, and then eventually late, later in the game uh, when that first warband's getting wheeled down that's when they would charge in with Tariel and, uh, and all of their glaives and, and basically turn the fight mm. uh, and that's exactly what happened um, but uh, I don't know how successful it was so the strategy was executed <laughs> yeah the strategy was executed that's fair to say I, I think um, there, there are a couple of bits that, that I, I guess there are a couple of obvious mistakes that you made early on that, that um, in, in particular the, the, there was two, the two cavalry from Leggy's warband they just went straight forward they saw an opportunity to charge uh, one guy on the end of a, a, a block of dudes but they didn't have any uh, leggy was staying back shooting so they were just on their own they killed that guy and oh my god did they kill that guy <laughs> but and um, then the next turn about 10 Numenorians surrounded them uh, and killed them so that was that was probably a little bit of a, a an, an error but the shooting here 
was absolutely outstanding. I mean, you, you played it exactly right with holding your guys back. Defence five guys do not do well against um, Bows, uh, Elven Bows. And I think you must have taken in total over the whole game maybe 10, maybe oh, yeah. 12, uh, maybe even more um, uh, guys. It was, it was pretty brutal. But crucial thing here is... Elendil and Isildur did exactly what they're meant to do. I mean, you're already choking I, on your... I had no counter. There's nothing. They're just running through my lines. So there's yeah. nothing I can do to stop it. And that's the thing. And, and even Thrangel's a little scared because he's, he's uh, you know, fight six, isn't he? So well, he's fight seven. Fight seven. Oh, yeah, fight yeah. seven. But, yeah, so he's, he's, he's not bad, but he... Elendil... He's wound back anyway because he's only uh, strength four anyway, so... Yeah, so he's, he's not a, able to do as much strength uh, in the killing. But um, Elendil essentially just kept hovering around, waiting for the, uh, the opportune moment to heroic combat into Thrangel. Uh, the, the, the terror was annoying but it didn't do loads of damage but he was just tearing through two or three um, elves maybe four some turns a turn Isildur was bouncing off stuff but largely killing the odd guy every, every turn um, and, and the Numenorians were pretty much holding fire in the, in the fights but um, they, were, they were dwindling significantly from the, the uh, bows but, but in fights they were doing okay they were killing the odd person and that, that was it so, so they kind of did their, their job but the main thing was that they, the side that we talked about with the, the cavalry running forward um, they'd, they'd, I basically left the, that squad of Numenorians to do, do what they were meant to do so it was about 10 or thereabouts and, and they were slowly sort of threatening Leggy um, and you kept pulling him back because uh, as, as you revealed at the end uh, he was the hero you were trying to protect yeah absolutely so I was okay for him to be on that flank um, I was a bit struggling to decide what to do with the cavalry anyway because there's only two of them you're kind of in big chunks they were only ever going to charge into a bundle so I thought if I get them up there early maybe I can hold him back and Legolas can stay back and shoot um, they crumbled pretty much immediately and then Legolas is left on his own on that flank um, I had a couple of rangers that were over there so throughout the game they managed to just do a bit of move blocking um, and ultimately that meant that Legolas could get out but I did misplay at one point um, and I got completely trapped by about 10 Numerians uh, around uh, Legolas uh, but thankfully he rolled higher in the fight won the duel yeah um, well it, it was it wasn't even a, a great roll either I think you no. got like a four or a five or something like that and I, I, I had eight eight dice and got a four something like that but that that was a narrow narrow opportunity for me to get the get the kill on uh, Leggy there but you just squeaked out and then and I think it actually kind of helped me in the in the long run because by that point you were you were very well aware that Leggy was on his own because um, everything else was kind of moving up towards the left flank yeah. and uh, I had this 10 Numenorean block just sort of threatening him every turn inching forward threatening you inching forward and um, little did you know that you were inching past my objective so I, I had a little bit of terrain uh, right in the center of your uh, your your half essentially and and I was I was inching closer towards it that's why because actually I, I was thinking I don't need to kill Leggy I mean maybe you're protecting him but I don't need to kill him I want to kill Tariel um, so I was thinking well do I do I just redeploy some of the guys but it worked really well because the threat A made you sort of second guess whether I was going for Leggy because there was plenty of threat on him but also um, obviously you were trying to protect him yourself but it did allow me to get that objective in the end um, meanwhile on the other flank Tauriel also got very close uh, to, to being uh, gimped at one point and you quite sensibly called her out combat and got her out of dodge yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to charge her in. She was part of the second warband, but she kind of moved up and, uh, and moved into the first warband a bit earlier than would have normally happened. Just as so she get a few fights off. Um, she won a couple of fights, killed a couple of models, and then I realised she was in a precarious position. Um, I lost the priority. My plan was to run her back. Um, and then I realised that if I don't move her out of dodge, then yeah, she's going to get absolutely yeah. smirked. So um, I used that opportunity to use her might. I think it was her 
last might, if I remember. Yeah. Um, and she used that to, to run back into the second warband that was come around at that point and basically uh, get covered by her boys. Uh, and it worked perfectly. It was a great way of keeping her alive. But yeah, you can only last so long against cavalry running at you. So. Yeah, exactly. That heroic combat really kept you... And it, and it also, it, it denied me the chance of being able to catch and kill her in one go and then feel kind of comfortable because it meant I was constantly chasing. You were hiding behind walls. You had a screen of people and then you had Drangel and so on with a terror bubble just holding in the middle. And the captain, my captain had been dehorsed, so he was uh, he was struggling as well. And I was I was well aware. I think early on you'd put a lot of shots into him. And I thought, right, he's definitely the target for you. Uh, so I was spending lots of time trying to um, kind of fit him into combats where I knew he'd be fine and things like that. But um, either way, it was really interesting. There was a, uh, this game ends on um, a ran random roll, one or two, uh, after Broken. Um, so there was one turn in which if it had stayed there, I think you would have had the win by like, two or something points. It would have been, uh, yeah, were you even on this one? I don't think you were on this one. So it would have been, uh, yeah, probably a five point win at that point. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. It would have been, I, th I think it might have had one person on, I don't know, anyway. Yeah. Either way, it, it would have definitely been a win um, because I'd have, I'd have got two or the three points for a seal all surviving but you'd have killed the captain and blah blah and in, instead it, it went on that one extra turn that just gave me a chance to get Ellendil round the thing and charge Tauriel and take her out in one turn because oh, I'd, I'd killed your captain Tauriel was still alive yes so I'd have won the game uh, yeah. on that basis but then because the game didn't end you charged Tauriel with Isildur and Ellendil and so Tauriel was dead um, and then obviously you managed to get and, the last yeah, one yeah and that final turn allowed me to get capture the objective it was very close though because a couple of her um, uh, failed courage checks here or there I only had two guys in the uh, um, objective so you know, it was a bit, it was a bit ropey, but um, it did. And also, I, I denied you the points, uh, as many points as you could have um, from your terrain piece, because I'd, I'd kind of worked out you, you weren't sending anyone really far away to try and capture any other objectives. You didn't seem to be interested in the central one. So, all right, I'm going to put some dudes in into your, uh, into that bit of terrain to stop you getting the full three. So I thought, even if I don't kill Tariel, it might shave off the, the extra points um, to make the, uh, to, to make the difference. But in the end, it ended up being what was it? 10, 10 8 yeah. to me a very very narrow win and the final throws of the game but um, it was really good it was I, I love Fog of War because there's so much to and fro and there's so much that sort of unveiled at the end uh, to make it a really good game and, and Louis I think you played it really well other than the, the little mistake with the two the, yeah the, the, the couple of, couple of still alive he got out he got out of dodge but uh, yeah there's a couple of a couple of tiny mistakes but you, you mentioned at the start of the game that you're you're a a big competitive 40k player and you've moved into Lord of the Rings and um, so you're clearly a very good gamer it's just getting getting to grips with the system I guess and movement and little little tricks like you're saying about priority being different and things oh, like that oh yeah 100% so um, I, I've played a lot of 40k for the last uh, sort of seven years competitively um, and this is actually my uh, so I'm playing more games at this tournament than I've played Lord of the Rings in total <laughs> uh, so we're on three games in so I had five games before so I'm on about eight games in total and uh, yeah the biggest problem I have and it's the reason Legolas gets caught is because I'm used to thinking in the move by move phase so like so I move shoot assault and then you move shoot assault and uh, so I move and I think not realizing that actually the next thing that's about to happen is you're going to move into me yeah. and that's why he got caught um, and that's that's a fundamental play style I've got to get used to but uh, I'm loving it I'm actually loving the game I actually picked up Lord of the Rings originally because uh, I just wanted to break from 40k I'd done quite well a few tournaments I just wanted to try something different and uh, literally like one game in, I was like, oh my God, this game is amazing. Like, it's a really good competitive game. It's very balanced. Um, it's really a lot of skill that goes into it. And, and it's different kinds of skills as well, isn't oh. it? Because it's a lot of, uh, we mentioned the, the placement of models. It's a lot about that rather than uh, you were mentioning sort of uh, in 40K, you kind of have to plan a few turns ahead and it's all about putting these big master plans together and ha hoping that they all work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm finding that. The minutia of uh, like where you move your little half inches and stuff like that. There is that in 40K as well, but this game lives or breathes on that. Uh, sorry, lives and dies on that. Um, there's still a good amount 
of sort of general strategy overall, but it's absolutely with, with this game you can't really know what three turns ahead is going to be like because you don't know if you're going to win priority or not, and that is really hard to play like a long game on. Um, so it becomes much more about the micro strategy, and I, I, that's the thing I'm struggling on. I've got to learn that. So well, uh, it, it all comes with practice, and I'm not I'm not pretending I'm I, I'm any expert because I've been playing this game for years and I'm still yet to win anything uh, or, or do any uh, good good uh, with uh, with new armies and things like that. So anyway, so a 10 uh, 10 eight uh, win to to me here on M8. First win of the day. So tomorrow um, we'll be fighting up in uh, round uh, four and we'll find out how we carry on with the rest of the tournament. But thanks very much, Louis, for the time. That's no, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much, mate. Oh. Hangover game. <laughs> Hangover game. Yes, that's right. Uh, game number four. Uh, it's capture and control here at the GBHL finale. I'm playing against James Clubley. And um, first of all, before we get into uh, this this rip roar of a game, I must say, um, let's just uh, talk through your army list because you've got some similar models, but some extra stuff as well. So, what is your army list first, James? Yes, it, as you said, it's kind of duplicate of yours. I've got Elendil, not on a horse, mm. although we'll get into that in a bit. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got Gladriel, and really, it's inspired by the Rings of Power. I watched the series. I know a lot of people have mixed views on it. I loved it, and I've never played with elves before. And obviously, David Clubley's my brother. He has a lot of models, so I just said, oh, I'm just going to use his models and pick this Rings of Power army. So, yeah, so it's uh, Elendil on foot with a few dudes, a lance captain with a few dudes, Numenor, and Gladriel with a mix of knights and uh, fountain uh, guards and... Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's about 35 models, so... Um, uh, Pretty pretty good numbers actually, considering you've got the cavalry in there as well. Uh, and you mentioned at the start you don't have the horse for Elendil. First of all, capture and control. This is all about flipping the tokens. Uh, I got to deploy first, so I went for the middle, and you sort of deployed a bit further back with your elven gunline, which, in on the one hand. It's good because it means you get to shoot a lot of stuff at me uh, with your elven bows and kill Numenorians. But the, on the other hand, it kind of gave me the, the commanding position for the objectives. And it, I guess it was, a, it was for me to lose from there? Uh, yes, it was definitely in your favour from the very beginning. Um, I was deploying quite conservatively, mainly because Isildur and Elendil on the same table, even though you have Galadriel, is quite terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, tactical mistake from the beginning. But, I mean, as the way that the game worked out, it, was, it, it wasn't as easy for you to win as just starting on the objectives and winning that way. Yeah, exactly. And the, the first couple of turns was... I, I mean, I, you shot Elendil's horse out from underneath him pretty quickly, which was uh, wise. And um, I kind of had this higgledy-piggledy charge, which uh, just didn't work. It kind of I was trying to avoid um, uh, uh, your Elendil, um, so I kind of charged in a half, half-hearted fashion and landed on the the sort of uh, I guess halfway between the, the central objective and your rearmost objective and it just didn't really work it, and it kind of gave you this chance to to really stomp me early on but it didn't kind of work out like that because I had some ridiculously good uh, luck in the early turns. Oh, good luck versus bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the counter charge against the captain there with the guard of Fountain Court it really I won the fight I just couldn't roll a four to kill his horse. So yeah. he survived to the next turn where the next turn was uh, the big swing, I would say. You killed, what, nine models in that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so I, I think I, I lost five or something like that to shooting early early on. But, um, yeah, the next turn, I think I think it took out... It was, it was over ten. I think it was, like, 11 or something models in one go because despite you having a lot of advan advantageous fights, I just kept winning stuff and I just 
I'll just churn through your guys. The strength four on those defence six guys really, really helped here. Oh, yeah, the Numenors being strength four is, is a key, mm -hmm. key, to, key to the front line that you have. But, I mean, the, 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 the dice <laughs> are fickle. Yeah. At the beginning, you weren't having too much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like your smile cracked about turn two when <laughs> things started going your way. And now I started smiling because, I mean, it's, it was a really fun game. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it has ended up quite congested. I mean, it looks like a battlefield I've never seen before, which yeah, is yeah. basically two sides that did not start facing each other have now opposed and there's no heroes on the left hand side which makes it quite interesting because there's no might over there yeah yeah and it it's, was, it's a good scrap it is it was a proper scrap of numenorians versus numenorian archers largely um on the, my right hand side and I, I basically i had all four of the objectives at the start and you had one um but you you slowly kind of pushed a big quadrant of guys up to, up your left um, and I was kind of feeding one or two people back there just to hold off this line to try and stop you from getting into the middle and it did work um, so you, you got that objective in the end but it, it, it just wasn't quite enough to, to push through because I just kept uh, seceding yeah, yeah. guys and largely because I did so well in the middle killing so loads well, of guys yeah. that I could just afford to uh, send guys back so it, it was largely because of that but your heroes did the business I think um, Gladriel was was fantastic you played Elendil perfectly just assassinating Isildur um, and then the captain and then I think we're set next turn for like a, a, a Elendil duel. off yeah. yeah yeah and you've got how many might left on him I think I've got well, two might uh, okay, so two you might have, so. you, have the, you have the upper hand and he's also going to be surrounded if I lose the heroic reaver oh one more thing to make how many heroic rerolls did we win oh uh, I don't know none. a lot <laughs> no no you won none no I mean, oh you, I, I didn't get any priorities at no all no priorities and no heroic move roll offs I believe yeah, yeah, so I mean I mean luck is you know it's Fickle. You don't roll the dice to kill things, but you know you, you keep the dice for those. You, you just got to take it, take it eyes with the nose. Yeah, exactly. And that's and, and this was one of the, one of those games where I, I think you played it really well, and I made some early mistakes, but early mistakes, I think the, yeah. the look helped me in the end. And I, I was, I, I think I was quite good at hold, uh, knowing where I needed to my models to be to sort of ho keep hold of those objectives, which I think Ultimate, was, was. Ultimately, you had the objectives in mind from the beginning. Yeah. Well, as you said at the beginning of this conversation, you started with the objectives in mind and you made it hard for me to win. Yeah. Um, and I <laughs> forgot what I was doing and just yeah. wanted to kill Isildur. Yeah. <laughs> which, which I did. Well, which side you did. mission accomplished. Yeah, side mission accomplished. And, and to be fair, that was near an objective as well. So it wasn't a, a total waste of time. But my valiant archer just fought like three or four turns against uh, uh, lots of different people and just survived and was just a pain in your uh, your side for a very long time um, so you were trying to get that objective uh, but and you did you you will have done in the next turn so uh, so I, I think it was it was worth fighting over there but perhaps it was just a little too too little too late i guess because if oh, you'd have focused yeah. uh, a sealed uh, elendil in the middle and maybe just you tried galadriel against my uh, elendil or yeah, something I mean, maybe the, the thing is you have to focus on one hero you yeah. can't take El elendil out of the game because of the resistance to magic yeah. you always get two yeah, yeah. plus your store which yeah. just seems to never end so you always get two 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 yeah. so i had to focus on the one hero that i knew that i could beat with magic yeah, which yeah. was i focused on isildur yeah um, he was also quite isolated he was away there with six guys by himself yeah um so, you know, but the point of the game wasn't to focus on him too much. He lasted longer than I think he should have. Yeah. Um, he won the uh, strike roll-off in the first turn, which could have probably killed him straight away because yeah, he was yeah. trapped at that turn, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's just that extra turn really helped because that was a turn that the middle swung out. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's totally true because if, if you'd have killed him there, uh, you'd have Elendil and you'd have, you'd have joined back. in, you'd have all the cavalry, which I think you might have been a little over, overly cautious because you got four, uh, four Galadrim. Uh, Galadrim knights and... I, I, I get 
that I think your idea was that they were going to be going, going around, around, around yeah. the board to get the, but there was so much terrain that it just slowed them down. Mm. And I think if they, they were in the fight in the middle, A, you've got fight five and you've got the knockdown. So you, I think they probably would have been more useful in the middle mm. than uh, skirting around the edges. That's but good advice. But, I, I, I struggled to get the cavalry in the yeah. right place. That's some self-feedback for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But either way, it was a cracking game. Loads of fun. And I ended up winning 7-4. Very narrow. So I've got three objectives in the middle. Uh, you've got the two on either side. And uh, I broke you. And you were about five or thereabouts models off breaking me. So um, it could have could have swung in the next turn. But uh, I think realistically, that was 7-4. Uh, and I think it was probably... A couple, it, it need a lot more turns for you to swing it any oh, other it way. Going, it was going in your favour, and you, yeah, yeah, you were going to get this one next turn. Yeah, probably, but, probably. But a fun game. A fun game, nonetheless. It. First uh, time I played you, and I really enjoyed it, Harry. Thank you very brilliant. much. Thank you very much for talking to me as well. Thank you. Round six, the final round of the GBHL finale, and it's Storm the Camp, which is notorious uh, for producing draws. So I wonder how that has affected the top table. Uh, but I'm. We're not on the top table, it's fair to say. Uh, I'm joined with Jake Knox uh, here, who has brought a um, sort of similar kind of army to me. Jake, uh, first of all, you're a patron. Big, big thumbs up for that. You've got your patron gear, you've got your dice, you've got your measury widget. But what has your army? Uh, so I've gone for Rivendell and Numenor. So I've got Círdan, um, Isildur and Glorfindel. Um, a little bit of magic needed, so that's why uh, Círdan's in there. And Glorfindel being the leader is a bit of a tank, so I was hoping he'd do his work, which he tried. <laughs> Maybe well, not this it's, game. it's a weird one uh, because obviously Glorfindel, in most fights, you rate him as to be able to pretty much dominate, but against Elendil, it suddenly becomes a bit more of a toss up between who's going to do the damage because you've got the slight edge in terms of winning the fight because you've got the Elven Blade and the Fight Seven, and I've got Fight Seven, no Elven Blade. But when I win, I chop. And when you win, you're less likely to do the damage because you've you got that um, you've got no sort of extra bonus other than Enchanted Blades, which didn't come off a lot. Let's be honest. Um, but uh, let's reset to the start. So in terms of Storm the Camp, um, it's as I said, it's notorious for draws. So you kind of have this whole long-winded sort of march into the middle and all that sort of stuff. Did you have a, a particular plan to try and dominate here? No. Um for me, it's trying to get the elves at the front of the Numenorians because the Numenorians being D5 just makes them so much more squishy. So if I can put an elf in front of them, then going into that fight, it's hard of you to kill me, but I've still got the spear support as the strength four. Um, in, you know, when you're trying to plan your list, it, it's perfect, works out perfectly. But in reality, with you know, terrain on the tables, you just can't always get that. So I ended up having elves one side, Numenor the other, and integrating eventually, kind of. Um, yeah, and when they did, they, they really worked because you had the fight value. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's when you, you were slaying over there, like on the back, back side of the half, and, and then when you came over to where they were mixed, that's when I was doing the, the work. Yeah, because um, I mean, there was one turn early on that I took about, I don't know, it must have been 10 guys off in one, one turn. I just won all the combats, killed a lot of stuff, and it, and it sort of it gave me a big edge for a while, and it also allowed my heroes a lot of room to, to manoeuvre because eventually, as, as, uh, as you expect in Storm the Camp, both armies march up into the middle, pretty much, uh, and the lines clash, and kind of it's just a matter of whether we can trickle a guy off, uh, off each flank to get to the, the actual thing. So it's more about who's doing the breaking and, and the leader kills and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I made a mistake with me uh, taking Glorfindel off to the side. I, I should have kept him central with a Sildor. Um, I was trying to get a Sildor to win a priority or win a, a move just to get the ring on so I can then go behind the lines and hopefully get on uh, like Elendil or a Sildor. You're a Sildor. And then, you know, low in the five value, then I'm going to be winning fights. But it didn't really work out like that. I had to combat in to get close to the, the big fight in the middle. Mm. 
Um, and actually, when you when you first came in, I, I think you made a, a couple of pretty big errors, actually, because um, you, you left me the room for Alan de la Cildor and my captain, um, who had lost his horse at that point, but uh, to basically heroic combat off that uh, one Rivendell guy into um, Isildur, who hadn't, didn't really have any protection. So it, it was Isildur, um, uh, Maya Isildur, your Isildur, <laughs> Elendil and a captain all in one fight. And I, I think you managed to scrape through and survive that, that fight, despite, despite sort of quite good odds in my favour there. Um, and that, that was it. And Glorfindel was in a similarly kind of, like you say, slightly off-kilter position where, again, I could, I could fence him off and, and keep him out of the fights for a while. So I had a few shots at Isildur, um, with Elendil and a, a couple of other dudes, but it just never quite happened, and he managed to just sort of wander off and scrape through for the rest of the game. It was it was quite frustrating, but on on the other hand, you you did get your ring on eventually, but it just didn't really help because you just get paralysed twice. Yeah, that's it. When it, when you get the one or the two on the uh, on the dice with no might, it's just you can take him wherever you want. You could have taken him towards your camp, which obviously you didn't want to. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just it's tough, and. It, you, you got really unlucky with your rolls trying to wound Glorfindel as well because I think you had four dice and you got like one, one, two, three and it's just, mm. yeah, it's, with, with no might this late in the game, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, because I spent an, an awful lot of my early on because I thought, right, if I can capture a sealed door and take him off the table before, there's, uh, before he has a chance to put the ring on, it gives me a real edge in this and, and I kind of ended up spending, I think, two or three points of might off uh, both a sealed door and uh, Elendil just, just trying to win the fight and get into the right place to kill him and it just, didn't work, um, and I think the odds were probably right, but uh, I didn't didn't have the look on my side for that. Um, and again, the same with, as you say, with the Glorfindel. Like there was a couple of times that I'd, we we had duel after duel after duel with Elendil and various other people involved. Um, and there was one in particular that was just a disaster, and it needed fours or something. Or I can't remember. Anyway, and I got eight eight dice and uh, nothing. It was just it was crazy. But um, and, and I guess that that's that's the sort of uh, the thing that you you're trying to balance stack the dice in your favor and and just sometimes it just doesn't work yeah i i thought that you know glorfindel was a goner at that point i mean or at least a wound <laughs> yeah at least a wound would have been nice i mean yeah. for you not for me um but then you can you can say the same for in reverse though because <laughs> yeah. there were plenty of times when you were fighting elendil and you have three dice and you'd enchanted his blades a lot so you had a one in six chance off six dice to get the wound and you'd fail to do that twice so just strength four on d8 is yeah he just I don't know. It, there's no like plus one to wound, or you're you're two-handed, you know, with um, your master forge. So yeah, which to be fair, um, I, I just said it just at the end of the last interview or one of the previous interviews that um, that I that apparently we, we'd had a ruling wrong essentially that I, we thought that you couldn't go two-handed with a shield, but it turns out you can. You just lose your defense bonus and things like that. So uh, just to clarify that that thought from earlier on, but um, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's he's just so so hard to kill. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, like I, I've, I've been seeing a lot of that the weekend with a Sildor, like a D8 model. Mm. He, he's been hard to kill this weekend. Um, but just to go up against two D8 models is just very tough for, for any army, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just to clarify that, because Glorfinnell's strength four, so it's even if he's defense seven, he's, he's still sixes. But, yeah, yeah, but just, yeah. to cl- just to clarify in case there are people listening and thinking it's, uh, you're getting it wrong. But um, yeah, it, it, they, they're, hard, he's hard, they're hard nuts to crack. And the thing is, I, I'm very choppy but um, you've got that slight edge in the combat. So it was a fascinating game. And, and then, um, essentially, the, 
while all of this stuff was happening in the middle where we were kind of toing and froing with these big duels, um, we had the kind of leaking of the odd person that was sort of slipping around the sides to try and get off to the camp. So you had one doing exactly the same, and I'd, I'd sneakily left a, a bow behind my building right at the back uh, for uh, basically just counter off this uh, eventuality. And you did just get into the camp at the end, but my sneaky bowman was uh, hiding in the camp, so you didn't get any points on that camp. But my... I think I'd sent two or three guys forward uh, around the edges to try and get into your camp, and you sensibly sent loads of guys to follow them. But in the final turn, um, I, sent, I, was, I was six inches away from the camp, so I would have caught the camp, and you were just an inch behind me, so you wouldn't have caught up with me, unless, uh, unless you won priority. So yeah. it came down in the very, very final turn to who won priority to get essentially that camp if I'd have moved him in that would have been uh, I don't know how many points it is for a camp about six points yeah, or something six, like that yeah. um, and then that would be a win for me instead you, you tag him off and it was all came down to another duel between um, Glorfindel and Elendil if either of them managed to do a wound in the final turn that would be the person who would win the game yeah both out of fate no, no fate between them uh, yeah just uh, two, two big big uh, heroes get up against one another is yeah. It's a great way to decide a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. S- sadly, um, that, that resulted in you winning the fight, yep. but yet again failing to wound Elendil. With enchanted blades. Yeah, so looking for the six off those six <laughs> dice, you still couldn't do it. And therefore, as I said at the start of the interview, Storm the Camp, re- notorious for its draws, we ended up with a three-all draw because we both broke, and that's it. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, it, no, sorry, one-all draw, wasn't a, it? One-all yeah. draw, yeah. But to be honest, it's been a really enjoyable game. You know, it's, it's been plenty of laughs, throwing yeah. the dice around and stuff. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... it's I, th- I, think, I, I think it's fair to say it's one of those ones where, um, because we both had some really swingy look, it, was quite, it, it ended up being more funny than kind of frustrating, which was good, uh, which I, I, was, I always appreciate that. So, uh, Jake, it was a cracking game, loads of fun, one-all draw, not a bad way to end the weekend. No, absolutely. Uh, I think I'm two uh, twos across the board, oh, two, right. two wins, two draws, two losses, um, and ended on a great game. So, yeah, it's been a really good weekend, to be honest. Great. Exactly. Same here. Two wins and a draw. I'll take that for, for Numenor, which is not too shabby. So, thank you very much for talking to Jake. We'll find out who's won the tournament in a few seconds' time. There you go. Two wins and a draw. And uh, there was a missing uh, missing interview there, of course. Uh, so we've only had, sadly, only four interviews uh, over the course of this uh, this podcast. And um, that was just because one of my opponents, very shy, very shy. I uh, lost to him anyway, I think. So, uh, you know, what can you do? What can you do? But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great game either way. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, some people just don't want to talk on the airwaves. And some people like Ed Ball at the very start of the podcast are not allowed to because uh, Games Workshop uh, will not let them talk talk uh, about the, the game that uh, we all love so much. Hopefully that will change at some point. Uh, well, you never know. It might do. Um, anyway, so with that in mind, uh, we're going to find out who the winner of the tournament is. And this is a slightly weird one because on the day, it all turned out that Will Champion uh, of this podcast fame, he's often here, uh, was the winner of the tournament. But on the way home... It was discovered that Will had accidentally, or so he says, no, definitely accidentally, I'm sure it, uh, sure it is, he accidentally he basically took an extra war bat to the tournament. So uh, I don't know the exact list, but it was basically the three hunter heroes, so the mini hunter heroes, so Narzug, Yasneg and Fimble, uh, as well as uh, Gunnabad captain and a mercenary captain or something along those lines um, to the tournament, uh, along with 
loads of hunter orcs, uh, some mercenaries and some bats, three bats. Uh, instead, he took four, which basically meant that he, he said, look, guys, I've made a boo-boo. Can you uh, strip me from the tournament? Um, he won the tournament, um, but thought that because he had an extra model, it just wasn't fair. Uh, so he stepped down. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more about that because I did speak to him in the end because I didn't, at the time, I didn't know um, that uh, David Clubley, who was uh, who actually came second, um, was sort of bumped up to first. Um, I didn't know that he he'd won the tournament because this this didn't happen. So I hadn't recorded an interview with him about his his stuff. But what I did do was record an interview with Will, basically because he's done rather well over the course of the year. Uh, this was recorded at a separate thing. Uh, I, I went to visit uh, Seven City Collectibles, which Will Champion helps run and uh, runs the events for, um, and we had a chat about this the tournament the controversy, and also his success in the league. So this is the second interview we're doing for uh, the GBHL finale because things happened, which is very interesting. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but let's welcome the not just the, the, the winner of, of one tournament, but the winner of what, four, was it, in the end? Or four or five uh, GBHL tournaments over the course of the year? You definitely got two GBHL 100s and are now the, the champion of all champions in the GBHL. It is Will Champion. Well done. Woo, hello. Thanks. Woo. Welcome back to... to yeah, it is exciting. <laughs> so, I mean, this is this is quite an achievement, isn't it? Because this is the second time you've won the GBHL, yes. the biggest SBG league in the world. Uh, I think it's 748 players. How do you feel? Which is phenomenal, by the yeah. way. Really, really good. Uh, yeah, super happy. Um, I didn't think I was going to get to compete this much this much this year um got the opportunity had to cash in some you know some good credit with the other half um managed to go to just enough tournaments to do well mm. so yeah really happy yeah because it was i think the first tournament we played what was it like july or something like that. it was quite it wasn't like a, you started going right i'm gonna hit the, all of these big mm. pointer tournaments at the start of the year yeah well i've been to a few events sort of in the lead up to cardiff but nothing that nothing where i felt like i was really committing this year um and then cardiff went really well and i was like okay well you know we'll, we'll give it a go then um and then i picked up i think it was a second at ed's event mm. Um, That's certainly in Ashfield, wasn't it? Yes. And so with some of my other scores, I was like, okay, we've got a real shot here. And also by that point, because no one else had double won, it was like still real spicy, mm. um, which is what I, I, I thought it was going to be really tough this year. Um, and it was. But yeah, um, got the opportunity to then go to a few more events and managed to squeak it. Squeak it, excellent. And that was the Scottish one, wasn't it? The, the big one. So um, let's just talk a little bit, because in general, obviously, we've spoken, I think, at Cardiff, and I didn't get to talk to you at Certain Nashville, I don't think. So Because no. you, you the second you came at Certain Nashville, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Jake Rawson, so. yeah, yeah. Raw, Raw Dog won it. Yeah, and so, so what, what sort of armies have you been using over the course of this year that, that have made it... I made it successful, I guess. So the re the repeat list is the Felbings of Mirkwood, mm. um, the one that everyone said was going to be rubbish when it got leaked. Say, yeah. um, it turns out the Spider Queen and Orcs is just fine. Yeah. Um, and then when it got to using something else, I had some Gondor that I wanted to try out. And I know Gondor is kind of like super mid-range. It's not the best, it's not the worst. And I really wanted to get the best out of it. Um, went to your event, did mm. terribly. Yeah, yeah, really poorly. <laughs> no, no, not to rub it in, <laughs> yeah, but, but genuinely, like bottom, bottom yeah, half yeah, yeah. and everything. It, yeah. was, it was real disastrous. 
Um, so I then sacked Gandalf and took a real wizard, of, which is Saruman, um, and then things got a bit easier. Right. <laughs> so, so just tell me, just get, give, give you a vague idea of the makeup of that. So it's Saruman and what, Boromir with the flag? Yeah, so um, at Ed's event, it was Boromir the flag. Um, essentially, just as many fountain court as possible. Mm. Um, and in gold is really handy too. Right. Um, and then we moved on to Reading. So again, the fell... That's a small point. So yeah, five hundred. So the Felbings came out again. And then I reverted to... Uh, kept Saruman, went down to Lake Town. Because um, that's get, good and evil, isn't it? Yes. You just get a lot of models for it. And then I took that to Sterling, but slightly bigger. Because it still worked just fine. And kept the Felbings. You don't see that anymore. You used to see Saruman the White allied into loads of different things. But, it, you know, this it clearly worked. He's a great yeah. caster. Why don't you see him more? I think it's because lots of new exciting legendary legions have come out that don't have him in. Mm. Um, so people just take priority over the new interesting thing. I kind of realised that I'd gone full circle because at Sterling in 2019, I took what was um, Thorin, Biffa and some Iron Hills and Saruman. And then this year I took Thorin, Biffa and then a load of Lake Town and Saruman. So like the list played different and it was like spammy over elite, but fundamentally had the same tricks and loops that worked a few years ago. So like the metal wheel just keeps spinning, doesn't it? Oh, of course, of course, yeah. And and there'll be a new book in the new year that'll, that'll change everything again, which is great. And I, I like all that. Um, but crucially, obviously, lots of people will think, oh, it's all down to the list. You've chosen the right list. And maybe Felbings of Mirkwood are the, the, the top tier list and all that sort of stuff. But what is it in the games that you do differently that, that other people maybe don't get as good a grasp on, do you think? I honestly don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, I wish there was like a cool answer and there was like this really Gucci trick that other people aren't doing. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's just that I play quite a lot, play in store, so I see a lot of other people playing a lot as well. And you just get used to doing the right things all the time. Mm. Like it doesn't have to be, the, it's never like a big clutch mega play in every single game. Sometimes it's just like, just being in the right, like knowing when the game's likely to end ahead of time, knowing who's going to break first, <coughs> excuse me, just the little things of knowing what the end is likely to look like and making sure that you find your way there. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. It's often planning, it's like chess, and you've got to plan a few turns yeah. in advance. Not all, not necessarily five turns in advance because that's, I guess there's too many variables to think about if you're doing that, but knowing roughly how, how to get to the end point of the game and roughly where your guys are going to be, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And it's the same, like, you know, if, you're, if you've got an all-shooting army and your opponent doesn't, you make that decision, you're cool, well, he's going to have to come to me then. And it's essentially just more of those decisions going forward. Okay, well, what heroes does he have? Where's he going to want to fight? Uh, and, and just building on that, you're just kind of predicting ahead as best you can of what the scenario is going to look like. Because mm. just because the scenario is not good for you doesn't mean that you can't win it. You just have to change the way that you look at things. And, and of course, that you, you've played against some of the, the well, all pretty much all of probably uh, the the top players, and and often they're all bringing very specific kinds of lists. Like for example, Ed Ball, he's he keeps bringing these uh, like Black Riders or, <laughs> yeah. or magic heavy lists. Like uh, uh, the, the finale, he's, he's had this very strange list of the three fell beasts and the Spider Queen and all yeah, this sort I, of stuff. I helped him write that one. Yeah. So that's partially my fault. Oh, I was getting, well, thank you, because I got 12 <laughs> nil by that. Uh, but but um, the, the like, how do you sort of plan for stuff like that where you've got a, a player like Ed who's very experienced in the game bringing something really weird and you've got something a bit more standard? My best piece of advice to anyone that wants to do well at a tournament is don't worry about what anyone else is taking. Mm. And I know that that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, because everyone says, oh, yeah, well, this is in the meta at the moment, so I've got to counter that. Mm. And, and, you know, if you know that a specific person's going, it, yeah, put a bit of thought into it. But generally speaking, if you take the best army that 
you're like you're good with then that's the best army you should take mm. me and a few people we discussed reading loads because good versus evil is really swingy there's lots of really good evil armies at low points like goblin town's amazing um the assault on lothlorien there's so and even the assault on helm's deep because that's that's what won reading in the end there's so many lists that are really really good and you sit there and you think about it but at the end of the day there's 100 people going and only 10 people really really care about like doing as best as they can and, and wanting to like get ranking points and everyone else is like sick it's another event to go to yeah and what that means is there's only so much thought that the field will put into going for there to actually be a meta yeah because like, it, it doesn't actually realize it really doesn't yeah because you're not going to plan to come up against ellendil which i i'm bringing exactly. because and uh, that uh, you know for 500 points or 550 points you think ah no one will have something like a you know uh, with four to five spirit fight seven all that sort of stuff because i guess it's not the meta but that doesn't mean that you can't get screwed over by it in contest of champions yeah, exactly exactly so like at the first game at reading i lost it because it was good versus evil it was to the death and the guy that I was playing just had Serpent Horde and a load of bows. I'm like, cool, I, I basically have no play but to walk into this and hope for the best. And he knew full well. And he ended up winning because Suladan was alive and was a banner. Like, mm. there's, there are some lists that will just punk you and there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. And you just have to mitigate that as best you can. And, and for the finale, of course, uh, this is a, a, a points level that, that you've, you've sort of talked long, long about of Hunter Orcs being really good. It's, uh, six, was it 600? Yeah, I've forgotten. 650 or... Yeah. And yeah. It's a, <laughs> I can't actually remember. We've just finished the, the tournament. The and finale it's, was 750. Yeah, 750. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you, you, you really rate the Hunter Orcs at that sort of points level, don't you? I, I still maintain that Hunter Orcs are basically just the best army in the game. And that's with the caveat of Hunter Orcs being allied in with, you know, the, the Hobbit Evil trilogy, as yeah, it so were. Yeah, so uh, you get the... Uh, Bats as well, and you get yeah, what else you get? Bats, bats, mercenaries, um, wraiths if you need them at, at certain points levels. I, the thing is, Hunter Orcs are just so good for their points. There's barely anything in the game that they don't just trade with, and mm. normally your stuff's cheaper than theirs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought I'd revive a classic for the final, um, brought those back out. I've not used them since 2019, um, and it went really well for most of the tournament uh, arguably all of it yeah but uh, the, the people will will notice if you've been following the the gbhl blogs and and all that sort of stuff that that there was a bit of an accident basically because you borrowed yes. most of your models wow. yeah well so i borrowed the whole army hmm. um and and as has been discussed print out your army list kids um and make sure that you check your opponents and, and beforehand before the game essentially i borrowed the army of two different people um, and so in the haste on the Friday, chucked it all into a box and went to the event. Um, I then took it all out of the box and played. And it was only on the way home talking about how the event had gone and what I'd taken that I'd been playing with an extra bat for the whole weekend. Mm. And that's not nothing. Like a bat's, a bat's good enough. Yeah, um, 25 points. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's particularly because of what they do, it's a big advantage. Um, so it, it was a little bit of a dampener on the end of the year because it was a hell of a weekend and there were some very funny stories from it. Yeah. Still, still my favourite tournament weekend of all time. But the, yeah, the only right thing to do for me was to um, forfeit all of my games. Because also the, the ranking points would matter a lot for other people in other regions. Turns out it didn't matter at all. Mm. Um, but on my conscience, I, I couldn't in good, you know, in good conscience muddy the water yeah because um, you want because you want all of your games uh and, well you five games of the draw the and the final round, round uh, is still in the camp against dave clubley but but uh, yeah as, as you quite rightly say that that can could have changed the the rankings we didn't know until till it was all all the maths was done basically yeah exactly um and i'd be, i'd feel horrendous well i mean I, I did feel horrendous anyway um but i'd have felt really really bad if what i had done had messed up somebody else's chance to go to the etc for example yeah. or to you know to there's not a huge amount to play for in the league as far you know we're, we're not the we're not magic the gathering we don't have hundreds of thousands of pounds on the line but 
everyone plays for that bit of pride and that cool, you know, that cool sword, that, that trip out to the ETC. Mm. So I would have felt really, really guilty if I didn't say anything and that had buggered someone else's chances up. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I, I've already said this uh, in, in the blog post. I think that's, it was both the honourable thing and actually a very, uh, it's, it's the inspirational thing for people if they're, they're listening to, to know that you don't need to, to sort of cheat or do anything like that and to be a dick to, to win the league because you've won the league. You didn't need to... To, to have cheated in this final uh, round. So, it, you know, it was the absolutely right thing to, to do, to say, well, I'm sorry, everyone, I, I, I cocked up a bit. And, you know, he may have won the games anyway, but you, you, yeah, we can never I know mean, that, can we? What, what I would say is I messaged all of my opponents individually and every single one of them said it wouldn't have affected our game. Our game was excellent. Like, you know, we had an amazing time. I, mm. I don't care. It's, it's totally fine, which it means a lot, actually, because yeah. the people that I played were all well within that bracket of you know, winning the event and also league positions being important. Mm. Three of the people that I played were fighting for the regionals. So for all of them to say, actually, yeah, this, this could have scuppered us and turns out did them a bit of a favour, actually, mm. by, uh, by jumping off the top. Uh, but yeah, it meant a lot that they kind of went, yeah, don't, you know, don't sweat it, which yeah. was really good. Well, either way, I think, as I said, it's a very honourable thing to do. And you'd cemented your position before the finale. So it might have sounded in your head, but it didn't actually change the results for you. So you're no. still the league champion, which is something to be very proud of, especially a second year, not running, is it? But it's sort of second yeah, year in a couple of years. Ali, I'm, in, I'm the, the bread of an Ali sandwich because he, <laughs> he took the COVID years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think I actually felt a little bit worse because I'd already won the league. Mm. Um, and it, it was just complacency, like, you know, pretty your list off it's not it's not rocket science but i just wanted to go and get drunk instead which you know i achieved my goal um, there you go will champion there he got what he wanted out of the tournament and i believe he's rated it as one of the best tournament weekends he ever had uh, this was uh, during the world cup we had uh, lost the uh, i think it was the quarterfinals or semifinals whichever one we dropped out of uh, it was all exciting we had a big night out with uh, drinks and and food and what a cracker it was um, but uh, it, of course, it was slightly soured a little bit by the accident the, of him taking an extra bat. But uh, as as he said there, it was still a great tournament, and and it was a great tournament. It was really nicely run. Uh, we got uh, lots of uh, sort of ceremonies at the end, which celebrate uh, the Great British Hobbit League, which, as I mentioned, world champion won. Um, there's loads of different prizes in there. I've got to give a shout out to uh, Sean Sproul, um, who was the best artisan of the year. He won the most best painted competition fantastic work from him Julian Hammond who we've spoken to on the podcast before as well he came second in that a runner-up in Best Painted because of an unprecedented number of Best Painted winners for both of those I think about seven to six which is outstanding and their, their painting work is extraordinary um who else should we celebrate? Most Sporting, uh, which was Johnny Wright. Again, I believe we've spoken to him uh, on the pad- podcast. Uh, I certainly chat to him uh, occasionally at tournaments as well if he uh, if we cross paths. Uh, so hello, Johnny. Well done on Most Sporting of the Year. He's won the Most most Sportings. I think he was drawn, actually, in the end, but um, his position in the um, in the league put him higher than people like Tom Pickard and Nathan Tolbert. Or maybe he just had one extra. I can't remember. Either way, well done to him. Uh, the league winners include, and I hope I'm not getting this wrong um, obviously world champion gold uh, Dave Clubley and David Farmer uh, David Farmer was silver and Dave Clubley was bronze I believe that's right I'm sorry if I've gotten the wrong way around but it was a bit confusing because um, Dave won the tournament that we're just talking about and anyway so something along those lines very well done to them uh, as well um, and and it, we should shout out Elliot Schillinglaw as well um, he's a guy who has travelled to the most tournaments 
of the GBHL this year. I don't remember the number, but it was something like 25, 26 or something ridiculous. It might have been more than that. Uh, And it was a record. I believe the most tournaments anyone has ever attended uh, in the GBHL. So uh, the the dubious award (laughs) of that uh, goes to you, uh, Elliot. Well done. Um, And that's pretty much it for the Great British Hobbit League this year. Um, I will hopefully resurrect um, the podcast in the coming year, in the coming weeks. Uh, We'll, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, we'll delve back into a podcast I recorded in Mel- Melton Mowbray uh, earlier in the year, which uh, sees the return of Numenor. And uh, there should be podcasts in the new year, but um, they might it might go up in the air, if I'm completely honest, because I've got a job, um, a different job, which sees me uh, head off up to Manchester uh, to work at Media City. Um, I, If you don't know, I work in the BBC generally, and uh, I'm going to do something at Newsround, which is, uh, if, you don't, if you're from away from uh, the UK, you may have never heard of it, but essentially it's like news for kids, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I'm going to be there for a couple of months, which essentially means more weekends in Manchester, less weekends at home with my fiancé, which means less weekends out. Uh, at tournaments so we'll see what happens but either way there will be entmoots and there will be videos of course hitting the uh, uh, hitting the airwaves as well on the Battle Games in Middle Earth YouTube channel um, a big shout out to Michael Haskell uh, Michael Haskell is uh, one of my many patron supporters uh, and basically over the Christmas period I did a prize draw and it should be winging its way to you in the coming days because, Michael, you uh, were pulled out of a hat uh, to win a wetter workshop Happy Hobbit Hole Christmas scene, which took months to arrive in the post. I ordered it in late October, early November, something like that. It arrived on Christmas Eve Eve, uh, so it's uh, only just gone into the post, so it'll be winging its way to you in the couple of days. But uh, that's just an example of the sorts of things uh, that I do prize draws for for uh, our wonderful patrons. So if you want to uh, sign up and uh, subscribe or support the um, the podcast, patreon.com slash battlegamesinmiddleearth uh, and you can find the links all on my sort of uh, YouTube channel or on on the Facebook page as well, uh, which is the Entmoot Facebook page. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much it. So um, I'll see you in the new year. Happy New Year. I hope you had a Merry Christmas and I'll see you next time. Boorarum.